Father, we we come to you in just a state of adoration. In a state of waiting. Maybe some of us are waiting for this season to pass. Father, we we are here as we feel your tangible spirit right now. Soften hearts, open ears, and let my words be yours. Father, we, we thank you that yours is the kingdom and yours is the power. Father, we love you. Amen. Well, good morning, Regen. If we have not met yet, my name is Amanda Patterson. <laughs> I will not make that mistake again. <laughs> I am Regen's tech leader, and I also get to be on... Julia, you're still attached. <laughs> I get to be on the preaching cohort here. This Advent, we have been discussing making sad things untrue. The quote that came uh, about when Gandalf came back from what they thought was death. It's posed as a question. Is everything sad going to come untrue? As Dick has been teaching, and what I'm going to echo today is, yes, Sam, everything sad will come untrue. In 2015, Disney Pixar released a groundbreaking movie, Inside Out. It was a movie that took a look at the emotions inside our heads and how they controlled things. In true Disney fashion, this movie was about so much more than a girl going through a bunch of life changes, from moving to a new town, leaving all of her friends and her hockey team, and even her childhood home, leaving that behind. It really taught us some things about emotions. And in this movie, joy, is the first emotion and kind of the one in charge most of the time. She runs things so that Riley, the child at hand, is always happy. Things are fantastic. Though we do sometimes see anger, disgust, fear, but rarely do we see sadness. And as the movie goes on, Joy seems to be losing control of things. The core memories that she used to control have been touched by the hand of sadness. And it seems like sadness, who has been shoved into the corner, is coming to the forefront. And Joy does not want this. I won't spoil the whole movie for you, but if you, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you see it. But it made me think, how many of us shove our sadness into the corner, trying to keep Joy at the forefront of our lives? In the book of Revelation, chapter 21, where we've been studying, we see the glimpse of what this new heaven and new earth will look like. In Revelation 21, 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, 
like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. All these things gone forever. Wow. That's kind of incredible to think about, a time where everything we keep inside of us will be gone. Today, the, the sad thing that I kind of want to make untrue is grief. But I want to look at, a way, at grief in a way that makes us uncomfortable. I mean, more uncomfortable than the 21st century American church already is. But grief is so much more than the death of someone. And as a Cleveland Browns fan, I've had a lot of experience with grieve, grieving things that are not death. <laughs> Has anyone ever had to grieve the loss of your hopes and your dreams? Maybe you've had to grieve the loss of a relationship or friendship. Maybe a job. What used to be. The loss of a church you thought would always be there. Or even the faith you thought you had. These are all legitimate losses that I feel very often get overlooked, even scoffed at, because, well, there's not anything there. Nothing's tangible. People can't see these things that are, that are gone. It's so easy to let someone grieve the loss of a person, but why is it so hard to let someone grieve their identity of who they thought they were? It makes people uncomfortable, much like death. But this is the type that we just don't talk about. Much like joy in the movie, we think that everything has to be top-notch. We often don't feel justified in our grief, in our pain. Maybe we even feel, feel silly for crying these tears. And then we come and hear a message of, it's okay, be happy, praise the Lord, everything's all right, God is good, which he is. I'm not denying that. I am not denying the biblical truths that there will be one day with no more pain, sorrow, death, or grief. But in the here, in the now, in the moments where we don't want to feel anything anymore because we have this gnawing hole inside of us, what then? Where's God in our pain? In the tears? Psalm 56, 8 says, You keep track of all my sorrow. You've collected all my tears in a bottle, and you've recorded each one in your book. In this verse, God reminds us he isn't just concentrated on the joyous parts of our lives, but every single aspect of it, the nitty-gritty. God doesn't judge whether our sorrow is valid, but because God is a God of love and compassion, 
he catches every single tear that is ever shed. And it doesn't matter how big or how small, how trivial or important your sorrow may be. Jesus came down and suffered so that we could call on a high priest who understands. When Jesus was here, he wept. He cried morning tears. He weeps with us and collects our tears. And what is promised in Revelation 21.4, that he'll wipe away our tears, is not the only time in the Bible that it's said. In Isaiah 25.8, he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. And Revelation 21.4 is the fulfillment of this verse. So we have this hope of no more death, sorrow, crying, or pain. But so many other things are promised in here. If we even jump over to 22.5, we get the promise that there's no more night. There's no need for lamps or the sun, for the Lord God will shine on them. He will reign forever. And this really stood out to me because it's in the night where things get uncomfortable. It's in the night when we lose control. Darkness falls and we're simply alone with our thoughts. In this new heaven and this new earth, all will be made right. The original curse of sin that was brought through in the Garden of Eden will now be reversed and this land will be a new Eden where the Lord will reign forever. Without this promise, it's really scary. But God promises a time with no more night where his light will shine forever. So as we're sitting here, probably really uncomfortable, thinking about your darkest nights, your hopes and your dreams, your relationships and all the things of what could have been. Where's the grief at in your body? Is it in your shoulders, all tensed up and stiff? Maybe it's in your chest. Maybe the grief is so bad you just want to rip your heart out. For me, my grief always hits me in my stomach to the point of rising up and causing a lot of other health issues. What would it be like to not have that trapped in our bodies anymore? And I'm sure many of us wouldn't know what to do without that weight of grief and pain holding us down. To realize where the grief is at in your body is about being emotionally aware and even, dare I say, healthy. I've been very blessed this past year to be surrounded by people who have pushed me to really grow and really tap into my emotions. And let me say it sucks. <laughs> I have been one to disassociate from my emotions. I could numb out with the best of them. But this year, really tapping into my emotions, allowing myself to feel, allowing myself to even sometimes wallow, it was actually really hard. 
I got married in October, and the feeling of happiness and excitement that's supposed to overcome you, it was so hard for me. But the feeling of pain and grief, that's an old friend. And I'm not talking about dying grief, but those grieving moments of the changes of my life, of my friendships, of just everything I knew in general. And by tapping into this emotionally healthy junk, <laughs> I can really appreciate the ending of Inside Out in a completely new way. You see, joy and sadness, they go on an adventure to get back the core memories, and they have to go back to headquarters. And they have to do it quickly because Riley is totally breaking down in the meantime. And when they get back, Joy has this realization that though these memories, they've been happy for so long, a little sadness is okay. Maybe even a little healthy. So what do we do with this grief that maybe most people don't even understand why you have? How do we grow our emotional capacity to hold both joy and, and sorrow in our hand. This is going to be the hard part. The part that requires a lot more uncomfiness. I can only tell you the things that have worked for me. I started therapy, and that was the hardest part for me. I sat with God. I got really angry. And then he let me just sit there and cry. Did I feel silly crying over this idea of who I wasn't, who I was, wasn't who I actually was? Yeah, absolutely. Did it help me step into the identity that God has given me? Absolutely. I did small groups that happened to be focused on emotional health. Thank you, Rena. Those amazing people who pushed me to grow. Yeah, having support around you. That's one of the key ways to grow. You can't do this on your own. Though, we know that we're never alone. Jesus is with you every single step of the way, collecting your tears. Even if it feels like you're in the darkest part of your life, when it feels like everyone has left you, when it feels like the only place to go is to that bottle, that person, maybe the website late at night. Just when you're so numb to things and you have to feel something, he's right there with you, crying the tears, bottling them up, feeling that same pain. We have a savior that knows what we're going through. And he wants nothing more than to sit with you. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you that we, we have a high priest who, who knows what pain and sorrow is like. Father, I thank you that you allow us to sit and to grieve the things that some people might find silly, but we know that you care. Father, I, I thank you that you give, you give us support. 
Father, I just, I pray for the person here thinking they can do it on their own. Let them know that they have a family surrounding them. In Jesus' name, amen.